Hello and welcome to the Punch Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liv. And this is the show where we look at trade collections and graphic novels with female protagonists. And Liz brought this one to the table this time and it is called Space Dumplings. Not Space Dumplings, there's no G. Um, so how, how was it you came across this one? Um, so you remember our guest star, Sharon, um, from a couple months back. Um, she was looking for, when she was going through the Dorothy Canfield Fisher possibilities for the list they were coming up with, she came across this one and really liked it and was like, oh my goodness, this is hysterical. You gotta read Space Dumplings. It's so much fun. The kids will love it. There's whale poop. Um, <laughs> yes, you will hear a lot about whale poop. Um, and you should try it out. And it didn't end up making the list, um, but we both really enjoyed it. And um, I ended up using it with um, my middle school students. Um, we did a graphic novel unit, and I had a list of, I think, about 14 different books they could choose from. Several of them wanted to read this. Um, and so a bunch of them read it and then we had copied, um, or we had bought copies for, um, the library so they could read it. So we kept them in there and a lot of my, um, elementary students ended up reading it too. A lot of my fourth and fifth graders. And even previous to that, the spring before, um, when I had first gotten one copy for the other school, I think it's just slowly went through that fourth grade class like each student <laughs> so there would be a list of who got it next and um i don't think any other class realized that it was available because it was never on the shelf ah so it has been very popular um i think we're just now getting the copies back because it's summer and everything has to come back but i imagine it will still go out because now even my younger students, my third graders, are discovering it and are very excited because of whale poop, so... Yes! Yeah. So I suppose a little bit of context for the, the whale poop. So as the, um, the title does imply, this is set in space. This is, this is like your Star Wars cantina kind of space opera. It's that kind of mixed group of aliens. This, there's, no, there's no Earth POV character. There's some humans or at least they look like humans but like there's no oh we used to live on earth and now we hit nobody cares about the backstory it's space everyone's just kind of dealing with each other and it focuses mostly on the character of violet um who's violet marlock yep. yes whose um, mother um they, she, well her family they're kind of um there, there's a lot of we'll get into uh, into themes and stuff later, but there is a lot in here about sort of class distinction and economic classes and Violet's family kind of rides that line between They're not quite impoverished, but they're not middle class either um, So like her mother works at a higher-end place, but is on the low totem pole of that her father is works a very blue-collar job, which is basically the equivalent of something like coal mining but what it is is harvesting space whale poop. The at, dumplings. Yes, the dumplings. To in the title. Um, which are used as fuel, um, and and it deals with her and and her family and friends that a new friend that she makes, a longtime friend that she's had, and some general 
space adventuring. We might get into some of the plot specifics. I know there's one thing specifically towards the end that I know I want to talk about that's a little bit spoilery, but that's that's your broad thing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. It is so much fun. It is, it's really, it is kind of goofy. And again, when reading it with some of my middle school girls, they were like, this is ridiculous. This is too silly. Like, we don't like this at all. Because I think the social class commentary kind of passed over their heads. And they were left with, like, whale poop and, like, burger spaceships <laughs> and, like, a lot of stuff that they're just, like... And a very neurotic chicken. And a neurotic chicken and, they're, like, a lot of silly jokes and bright colors and things that it was just out there so if you're not looking for something that's out there it, yeah it might not be your book but. yeah it 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 does have a lot of themes going on but it they are all subtext and actually I, I personally think it's to the thing's strength it doesn't really beat you over the head with all that it's got going on it does have a lot going on oh i forgot to mention credits um, so this is Craig Thompson is both the writer and the artist and coloring was done by Dave Stewart But it looks like pretty much everything else is Craig Thompson's baby um, So we talked a little bit about Violet and she has what I think it's, um, is a very relatable home life and that you know her family they they love each other, but there is stress and there is tension largely around finances and how mm -hmm. that just trying to make ends meet just makes life more difficult than it should be. Yes. And I think, too, her parents have a different view of class distinction and what they want for their child. Because her father is like, oh, those rich kids are really snobby. Like, I don't want her to go to a special school. Like, you know, where we live is fine. And her mom, you know, because she has this job where they go to a really nice space station and she's making these high-end clothing wants more for her daughter so there's yeah. some tension there between the parents as well well you know it's the class it's it's one parent having that i want something better and then the other one going what's wrong with us we're yeah. fine and thankfully neither one of those is portrayed completely black and white or like they won't listen to the other or that the tension gets to some cartoonish level because as cartoonish as the art is the emotions of the characters are actually pretty grounded. Mm -hmm. There, There is a lot of, I think, really strong emotional arcs. A lot of good stories in here about parenting and, you know, loss and things like that. So, Well, and in a way, I think... I think Violet's probably the most stable of the of the three main characters yes, herself. Yes, I would say that. But all three are sort of variants on kind of your your archetypes of somebody with a non-ideal childhood um whereas violet it's very much uh you know a case of sort of being held back economically and how that affects her family you have um are we going to pronounce it zacchaeus yeah we might pronounce it Z i might say zacchaeus at one point it's honestly it could go either way but who's who looks like i don't know like a like a red bean with limbs. Yeah, a little orange jelly bean almost with and, yeah, some limbs. And he's very much kind of the archetypal bad seed. 
Like, he's, he's troubled, and when you get his backstory, you get, oh, well, there's a reason for that. But at the same time, they also put in there, yeah, but he kind of had problems always, even before that happened. Yeah. Um, so there's him, and then there is... Uh, Elliot, the chicken. Thank you, Elliot, um, who is just a bundle of nerves. And he, oh, and he, he's so neurotic. And he has, he, um, with, uh, with Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus, he, his parents are just gone. With the case of Elliot, his, his father's alive, but is too busy to parent. Mm -hmm. So he has a whole different set of sort of neuroses and issues relating to a lack of parent that just manifests differently from, from Zacchaeus. Mm -hmm. Who's an orphan. Yes. And living on in a dump, essentially. Yeah. A landfill. So yeah, pretty much. That that could explain a lot of what's going on. Um, but it's it's a it's a very inventive world. There's a lot going on because we've got a we've got a whole bunch of locations, very you know varied. There's the space station, which is you know very kind of the '70s vision of the future. It's all glossy and shiny, and it's, oh yeah, it's it's candy colored yep. and it's very it's very kind of kind of logan's run on on uh kind of like on lsd too uh, yeah, like the once you're on the ship once you're on the ship yeah, yeah. not not the earth yeah par portion of it so it's that, that kind of thing but you've got a very trailer park feel from what is actually labeled as a trailer park at a couple of points where the basically ships park and people live on their ships and that's where violet lives yep and, uh, and then you've just got the space and inside of whales and, <laughs> and stuff like that. We have Labstar as well. Is yes. another okay, um, location at the end, so which is a scientific lab. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, but I think it does a good job of explaining it. Um, I think some of my students, it, it was a little much. Um, with all the changes and different characters and stuff. Mm. Um, but I think if for those of my students who got caught up in like the fun of it and like sort of the cheekiness and were able to enjoy that, I think they really liked it. It, it has some rough edges. I think in a lot of ways it, it just has an energy that kind of smooths the bumps out a little bit. Um, there are some nippy, like with the art, it is, it is very stylized. For me, it took me out of it at a couple points how cartoonish some of the character designs are. I mean, when I say cartoonish, I mean that in a very specific fashion. So, like, Zacchaeus and also character of Mr. Tinder, they look like they stepped out of, like, a old black and white Warner Brothers cartoon, like Bosco. Like, those, those ones where the characters didn't stop moving, they were just constantly bouncing up and down, and their limbs were all... Wibbly wobbly. Wibbly, yeah, they look like something out of that. And there's nothing wrong with that as an aesthetic choice, but they just stand out to me in a in a way that's wasn't pleasing to my eye. The whales are kind of big lumpy things too. Yeah. Lumpy things. So Well, I would say the whales are maybe almost over emotive. Given that the care the, the whales are just animals, they don't have you know, a consciousness where they're communicating with anything, they're but not, they don't talk or anything. But yeah. they've got these overly expressive faces that are maybe a little much. Mm-hmm. Big eyes, the baby whale especially. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, but I, but I, honestly, the that comment about the art and the cartoonishness, I will grant that's kind of my hang-up, and there's no reason anybody else couldn't roll with it. It was just something that, that became a, a minor annoyance for me. And it really kind of is just, like, those things sporadically. Overall, I think the art works really well. Mm -hmm. And I think, given that its audience is, you know, late elementary, middle school students, I think that works well for them. Um, as does the humor of it, like Whale Diarrhea. Yes. So, speaking of, not only do they have fuel that is essentially whale poop and whale turds, and that's the lumber um, that they discuss, but um, there's an oil spill, which is whale diarrhea. Yeah. And that is sort of the environmental disaster that happens and um, that they're dealing with throughout most of the book. Yeah. And so there's, you've got environmental themes, but it not in a, because the, the, the whale um, poop harvesting is kind of analogous to oil or to coal. Um, but again, it's, it's, if you take that as that's your your metaphor, that's your one-to-one -one comparison, it's treating it pretty even-handedly because it is going, look, this stuff can get out of hand. It can cause a lot of problems, but it's never it never demonizes or villainizes the people who do this for a living. It's like, mm -hmm. this is what they do to get by, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if anyone's liable to get hurt, it's most likely them. Yeah. So it, it feels very grounded because something that has um you know uh an a uh a thing something that is comparable to a real world ecological disaster could have very easily been painted in you know captain planet terms here's the e here's the evil polluter who is out to pollute for no particular financial gain they're just gonna cause a disaster it could have very easily gone that direction and it doesn't so props to them for that no, um, and I think even though there's there's a whole joke about they're going to have a whole um, fashion show benefit. So even <laughs> um, Sarah, who's the mother, her boss is like, oh, we've got to help these people. And there's these ridiculous costumes that have like, that are very flowy and drippy looking that are supposed to... Um, be representative of the oil spill or the whale diarrhea and they're like in bright green and it's it's kind of disgusting but also rather funny <laughs> which is a lot of the whale poop humor throughout it's kind of like this is gross but it, it i is. am amused by it but again that's despite the audience that's saying that that's the kind of takedown that i think works well in something like this because i think it'll fly over the heads of a lot of the kids who read it but it's integrated subtly enough where it they're not it's the, it's the best kind of slightly more adult joke and a kid's thing, which is that most kids won't even realize that they missed a joke. But it is a pretty harsh takedown of, like, the the snobby elite who's like, oh, we must help those those poor people. How can we do that? Oh, by capitalizing on the disaster and donating a portion of the proceeds to them. That'll be helpful. Yeah. Oh, you snobbish jerk. Uh, yeah, he, his, her boss is pretty ridiculous, but ultimately I think he does mean well. Oh, he does. He means as well as he can for the life that he comes from, and the simple truth is he doesn't get it and never no, will. He does not. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes. There's the pictures. So he, he literally takes a 
poster or like a, a a news article about how they're like drowning in the oil spill and is like oh look at them dripping with oil and like there's an arm sticking out and let's make this high fashion now and with this fancy flowing gown with draping sleeves <laughs> yeah uh, um. There was one thing, um, and like I said, because there there are a lot of a, a, like a surprising um, number of themes in this, and I don't. Aside from maybe the general class structure, I don't think m many of them are delved in too deeply. They're just kind of there. Mm -hmm. um, but one that was almost kind of that was basically tossed off as a gag, but still kind of made me smile. Um, so Elliot, the chicken, is sort of the new one to the group because Violet and uh, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus have known each other for a long time. And, and um, so Elliot is talking a little bit about himself and Zacchaeus basically goes, Hey, you're calling yourself a chicken. Chickens are girls. Aren't you supposed to be a rooster? And Elliot just has a line, My father's a rooster, but I, I identify more as a chicken. Oh. And it's, it's not brought up again after that, but it's just sort of put in there and moved on from it. I just kind of was like, hey, that's that's a nice moment that they could have made a let's beat a drum about this. But like, no, let's just drop this in there. Establish that this is kind of part of his deal and we'll move on. I You know, I didn't even really remember that. So I'm glad you caught that because I, <laughs> I remember it now that you mention it, but I had forgotten about it until now. So yeah, that is a nice moment. It also shows him wanting to disassociate from his father. Yes, which is a big thing with him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, the basic, to give you a little more background to the plot, is that a lot of the um, book is them looking for Violet's father because he goes missing after he goes out um, after a particular whale and he disappears. So they're looking for him. She's super worried. She goes off without her mom's permission. So now her mom's freaking out and looking for her. Um, and there's just more or less this sort of quest to find her father. And then they do, and they think they've lost him again for a while. Um, and they have to figure out what's going on with the whales and why they're so sick and what why the oil spill happened. Um, and there's a story that echoes um, their family trying to reunite with a baby whale that has gotten separated um, and trying to reunite the baby whale with her or his family as well. It's family. Yeah. So. Um. So the, the, the one thing that I wanted to bring, and th this will be a spoiler warning if anybody really doesn't want to find out. Yeah, I've already and, spoiled some stuff. <laughs> uh, just a little bit, but I I kind of ended up being uh, of two minds about the fact that she does eventually recover her father. And I think I, I felt that way for a couple of reasons, but I, I'm getting ahead of it. So the, my initial reaction was, oh, because the moment when... Violet thought that he was gone was a really powerful oh, moment. It was. It and it was, was I think I teared up. A it little. was really well delivered and there's a part of me that tends to resist when a really powerful, you know, severe emotional moment happens and then gets undercut by going, Oh wait, it's really okay. Um but 
at the same time, I have to recognize that is the jaded 30-something in me that, <laughs> that feels like, oh, you could have just made it about loss and how life sucks. But then it's like, well, let's keep in mind the actual audience this is for. And that moment is played well enough that I think actually having him recover, considering the audience, okay, fine. That was probably the, the, the better call. But sort of for myself, taking the intended audience out for a moment, it, it does undercut that moment for me a little bit, the fact that he turns out to be okay in the end. I understand that. I think that's... I think it adds to the story, though, and, like, if they stopped it there, that would have been a pretty heartbreaking yeah. ending for, like, a kid's book. Yes, and and which is, again, why I say this This is 30-something jerk adult me <laughs> who, who, who feels this. It's like, yeah, you, your dad's gone. That's sad. That's yeah. The way yeah, things are, kid. Fourth graders do not need to be as jaded as I am. I... <laughs> so. And honestly, I think there's enough if they do actually get the social commentary and some of the, like, environmental commentary that's going on in this book. I think, you know, they, they, they've done enough. Which, which is absolutely fair. So it's, it's one of those things where, like, I know what my criticism is, but I also know why I feel that way, and the reason I feel that way is kind of BS. So, <laughs> so it, it, it's just one of those things where I have to be like, yeah, there's this thing, but that's really my issue, not the story's issue. Yes, and I think, you know, in a way, yes, they end up more or less adopting Zacchaeus and... Um, Elliot, but neither of those have like a really happy story. Like, you know, Zac or Elliot's not, you know, suddenly reunited with his father, and his father learns the error of his ways and is like, "I missed you so much," you know. He's, yeah. Nope, he's still a jerk, um, and doesn't really care about him. And Zacchaeus's family is gone, and his, you know, he's still having issues with his brother, who's um, sort of a villain in this. Um, sort of. Well, he is a villain, <laughs> but you have. Uh, but I mean, he's not. I he's not like an overriding arch villain, but there, he's there not. He's not good news. He's not. But it, I don't feel like there is an arch villain. No, the, I mean the if, which is kind of nice. If there's a villain, it's it's the circumstances that are the reason that everything is screwed up. It's no. You can't point to anybody and go, this is all wrong because of you. You caused all this, yeah. It's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, that, that character does not exist. Which is kind of nice and reflects real life. That yes, there are some people that are doing greedy things or selfish things. But there are also people who just don't see eye to eye. And there's people who need, you know, to realize what's going on with other people. Looking at your boss, Sarah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of different characters come to different realizations. Um, and I especially like how Zacchaeus and Elliot are sort of polar opposites and have a lot of conflict in the beginning, but in the end, you know, kind of reunite. And especially when Zacchaeus realizes what a jerk um, Elliot's father is and he well, yeah. shows him some sympathy. You know. Well, because Elliot's been talking up his father mm -hmm. this whole time. Um, and, you're right, and they are very obvious because Zacchaeus is basically 
a bundle of raw emotions, whereas mm -hmm. Zacchaeus is very emotionally repressed mm -hmm. um, to the point that he's developed a ton of neuroses because yeah, of it. Yeah, Ellie definitely is very neurotic and even has some like disturbing dreams like that are essentially repressed dreams. I think he's a little clairvoyant too as that's, well. That's hinted at, but again, the... The, that, the rules are fast and loose in, yeah. in this kind of story. And so. I would say that was almost a little underdeveloped. I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it and looking through it, I'm like, okay, they saw this. I wouldn't mind plunging back into this world and having some sort of a sequel. It, it's the kind of story that does wrap up, and it, it feels like it told its story, but certainly these characters are definitely people who could have further adventures very easily. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and I do, I do like that it has a happy ending and, you know, some peace and... There, there's kind of like this scrappy little approach to family. Like, family are your friends and who you find and you make the most of it. So yeah. I like that message. There's a lot of, there's, you know, for all the themes and messages that it's kind of juggling, I don't think any of them are um, ill-conceived or contradictory. It it does pretty much juggle everything that it's trying to juggle pretty well for the most part. I mean, I've made my nitpicks, but they are just that. They are nitpicky things that I think say more about me than, than the book. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that it is good and it, and it is a lot of fun and I think it your experience bears out that it plays very well to the age group that it's meant for mm -hmm. they, for the most part they like them again I think with some of my um, middle school girls it was not what they were expecting um, I think they were drawn in because it had a female protagonist but I don't think none of them are really into science fiction to begin with and this was just mm -hmm. so over the top and goofy that I think it was a little much for them. Whereas, but my boys um, have all really liked it and are like, yeah, it's got whale poop and they go on space adventures and stuff. And actually, I would say in some ways, I think this has appealed more to my, the boys in my classes than the girls, which is kind of well interesting. Despite having a female protagonist, it's, I, I want to try and complete this thought properly. So it's, <laughs> It's not a especially feminine story, but I don't mean that like it could have just been a male character. It's not like she's coded masculine, as sometimes happens where they just take a character who could have been a boy and just go, ah, oh, well, it's a girl. Um, but it's not a particularly feminine story. It doesn't sort of play to those sensibilities. Because it, uh, as far as format goes, it is kind of the, the rollicking boy's adventure is sort of the, the feel Mm -hmm. that it has and when I say that I only mean that in terms of like being a subgenre you know it's it's your it's it's your goonies it's your mm -hmm. it's it's that kind of um you know the friends get together and and have an adventure kind of thing which is just traditionally a more male centric genre and it's kind of been built to appeal to that it's kind of nice more. that this flips it with a female protagonist. And I think especially it being science fiction and with Star Wars coming out with more movies that have female protagonists, it mm -hmm. kind of shows the appeal of this um, 
for both males and females and you know boys and girls so. yeah i mean not not to stereotype but not now that i think about it based off what you said i i think it is the kind of story that tends to appeal to boys more mm -hmm. um so i just kind of like that they are okay dropping that that craig thompson was okay just dropping a female protagonist into that mm -hmm. either either knowing or trusting that boys would not get hung up on that wouldn't suddenly go uh it's a girl story instead they go hey space bike and whale poop and and they'd still go with it because i think we're finding increasingly that the long-held belief that if it's a girl in the lead boys won't like it is not true yeah. and if you write a story that appeals to that sensibility they don't really care who the lead is no, and I think my younger girls have liked it pretty well and have been like, especially like two of my youngest student, female students that read it, they're like, oh my god, it was so funny and now my sister's reading it and like <laughs> they pass it on and everything. Yeah, and it's one of those books that I've had to hunt down a couple copies and be like, alright guys, who has it now? You didn't check it out, you didn't bring it back, like, can you let me know? And they're like, oh, I, I think so-and-so has it now, but I don't know. And then they're like, no, I passed it on to such and such. And it's just, it's it's been very popular in our schools. So, both schools. So, I, I have a feeling that the, the Star Wars cantina scene is probably a good benchmark to gauge someone's interest. Because yeah. if, if you've... It, if you or, or, you know, if you have a, a child who has seen that scene and been like, oh... All this stuff and these crazy creatures and like, oh, why can't we Fun have more music and chaos? And yeah, why can't more of the movie take place there? They will dig the heck out of this. Yes, yeah, I think that is a good example for it. Um, oh, one note, I really liked um, the father's crew, his little ragtag crew that which, they, which uh, is basically space bikers. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty rough and tough, but really care about Violet and kind of take care of her and her friends for a little while until they go their separate ways. But in the end, everyone's reunited and yeah, it's, I love that there's these typically, you know, like tough characters that are really sweet and really looking out for Violet and her friends. And like even her dad's this big burly guy with lots of tattoos and like basically looks like a big lumberjack. Um, which essentially he is. Yeah. Um, he's a space lumberjack. And, um, you know, Tolly's a softie for his little girl. And when she begs him to buy her this beat up, like, little rider, like, little spaceship, he, he totally gets it in caves and gets it for her and everything. So I really like that, too. Yeah. So I, I think... I think this is something that we would both recommend. Just know what you're getting into because the, I don't want to say the audience is specific, but sort of know the sensibility of the thing, which yes. is thoughtful, but a little juvenile and certainly pretty out there. Yeah. Yep. But a lot of fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll wrap us up on this one. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, and I think we'll end it on that note. So we'll see you guys again in a month. Bye. 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 Punch Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production. 
Feedback can be left at the Facebook page and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at punchlikeagirl1. The theme music is composed and recorded by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.